Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Facing a massive housing shortage, state leaders are mandating California cities plan for 2.5 million new homes and apartments by 2031. Central to this effort is not just how much to build, but where. New rules require cities to locate affordable housing in single-family neighborhoods as a way to combat decades of racial segregation. But residents in some California cities are pushing back. KQED's Aaron Baldessari has this story from Menlo Park. In Nicole Tassari's neighborhood, Halloween decorations are on full display. Our neighborhood is like the Halloween neighborhood. She lives in Suburban Park. We take a short walk from her home to the site of a former elementary school. So here it is. We're looking at what is the old flood school site. It's a vacant lot that's flanked on two sides by rows of single-family homes. People would go in here and like light off fireworks and let their dogs run around. So she and her neighbors were excited when earlier this year, the Ravenswood City School District proposed building affordable teacher housing here. That is, until they learned how big it would be. Four stories tall with 90 units. They tried to negotiate with the city council to reduce the size of the project. It's about density and how to make it work with the neighborhood so that it's not going to create a ton of traffic that makes it dangerous for the kids playing in the street every single day. They couldn't reach an agreement. So she started gathering signatures and got an initiative on the ballot this November. It would require a vote for any changes to what can be built in single-family neighborhoods like Suburban Park. Josari says the goal is to make it harder to build apartments there. But opponents say that will only worsen racial inequities in the city. When we go over the overpass, there's such a distinct difference between the Bellhaven neighborhood and the rest of Menlo Park. Pam Jones is a longtime resident of Bellhaven, which is separated from Suburban Park by Highway 101. When the two neighborhoods were first built, Suburban Park had racial covenants prohibiting people of color from living there. Real estate agents steered black families to Bellhaven instead. Today, it's the most diverse neighborhood in the city, with large populations of Latinx and Asian residents. And though Suburban Park has remained relatively unchanged in the past 20 years, Bellhaven has borne the brunt of the city's explosive tech industry growth, fueled by Facebook. I felt like one day I went to work and then I came home and there were these apartments. In 2016, city officials planned for nearly all of its new office and housing growth to be placed here. Four million square feet of commercial development and 5,500 new housing units. Much of that construction is underway. It's challenging because of the noise, 
And then a sense of, well, you don't have any place else to put it, so you're dumping it on us. For Jones, making it harder to build apartments in single-family neighborhoods is just a continuation of policies that have disproportionately harmed people of color. For me, and this is why I work so hard, it's really about racism. It's about classism. Whenever you say, you're going to change my neighborhood, you're going to blight my neighborhood, you are talking about people of color. If it's approved, Menlo Park officials have said that in the long term, the ballot measure could make it harder to reverse racial segregation in housing. For the first time, cities up and down California have to demonstrate how they'll do that in their housing element. That's a blueprint the state requires every eight years, showing how cities will meet their housing goals. And California's Housing and Community Development Department is actually holding them accountable. Chris Elmendorf is a law professor at UC Davis. HCD, the state housing agency, is no longer treating housing element approvals as a one-and-done proposition. HCD is instead treating the housing elements as an eight-year contract. If cities break that contract, they face some real consequences. They could lose state funding, face lawsuits, and developers could introduce large housing projects. Neighborhood groups that are trying to wrest back control may end up undermining the very objective that they hope to pursue. Cities like Encinitas that have passed measures similar to what is being proposed in Menlo Park are finding those restrictions increasingly at odds with new state housing law, and in some cases are ignoring them altogether. Elmendorf says the lesson there is... The voters can't exempt themselves from that law. Whatever happens in Menlo Park, Jones and Chasari do agree on one point. The ballot measure is about the future of the city and who gets the last word on what can be built and where. For The California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Settlement talks have broken down in a case from San Francisco seeking to preserve federal humanitarian protections for hundreds of thousands of immigrants nationwide. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. U.S. citizen Krista Ramos was only 14 when she became the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit against the Trump administration, which took steps to end the protections that allow Ramos's mom and more than 260,000 others to legally live and work in the U.S. Now she's 18 and a freshman at the University of San Francisco. Our families are more vulnerable than ever, and we need action from President Biden. As a candidate, Biden said Trump-era terminations of temporary protected status for people who can't return safely to their home countries were a, quote, recipe for disaster. 
But his administration has continued defending Trump's terminations in court, impacting immigrants from four countries, including El Salvador. That's where Krista's mom, Cristina Morales, is originally from. She's lived in the U.S. for almost 30 years. She's a teacher at a preschool in Berkeley. I don't want to leave behind my house, my kids, and I don't want to place them in the situation to choose between me and their country either. Plaintiff attorneys say they sought modest protections for TPS holders in the settlement talks with the Biden administration. The White House and the Department of Homeland Security did not return requests for comment. For The California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero. And that's The California Report for Thursday, October 27th, where a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for The California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, recognizing young social entrepreneurs through the Wesley Prize for Young Innovators of California. Information about how to apply is available at wesley.org. Personal Capital providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.